0: In today's episode, we are joined by Tanya Collins, founder and CEO of Striking and Strong, a startup dedicated to empowering women of color through high-quality hair care products. Tanya's mission is clear, to challenge the prevailing narrative that women of color must compromise their hair for the sake of their health. Paving the way for a more inclusive and holistic approach to success. Join us as we delve into Tanya's inspiring journey and transformative impact that she's making in the world of entrepreneurship. It makes me laugh. The one day I don't blow dry my hair, I am meeting with a person who is starting a line of hair care products and always looks fabulous. You are too I will tell you, it adds a little bit
1: of pressure. Because when I'm out and about, and to your point, running errands, and somebody stops and asks what I'm doing, there are moments where I think to myself, what do I look like
0: right now? Because as soon as I tell them I have a hair care brand, they're going to look at my hair. It is what it is. It's life. It is funny. I started my career at Ralph Lauren in New York. Some have been former model, and they are all extremely fashionable. So I didn't think I was cool enough to work at Ralph Lauren. And I have a bit more of a classic style. They're definitely classic, but fashion forward. So I used to read Women's Wear Daily and stamp all the tips. We work together at Frito, but at Pepsi, they're very into knowing who the latest celebrities are. So I subscribe to Us Weekly and other magazines so I could stay in the know on who was cool. <laughs> now I ask my kids because that they seem to know who the cool people are. Yeah, it's interesting. There
1: comes a point in your career sometimes where you look around the office and you realize, and to your point, you hear certain things and you're like, I wonder what they're talking about. I would just Google the latest slang and be like, oh, that's what that meant. Or if everybody was talking about a song, and I didn't understand what the lyrics, <laughs> I would look that up too. I don't ever want to get caught off guard and have somebody be like, how are these our consumers? This is our target. This is who we talk to. This is who we message to. And she doesn't even understand how they speak these days. So kudos to you, particularly coming
0: from the fashion industry. I would have struggled with that as well. I was definitely a fan of, of the sample sales back when we were at Frito, where we used to get a whole case of product for every new product size that came out. That was delicious. I tried not to eat it all and share it with others, of course. Tell me about your career path and how you got to where you are today.: Yeah,
1: coming out of college. I was one of those individuals that I felt like, "Hey, I can do anything." But I didn't really know what that anything was. I remember watching a lot of TV shows and meeting individuals, and everybody I met was in sales. And everybody said, hey, Tanya, if you ever want to have a really great marketing career, if you ever want to lead an organization, the best place for you to start is in sales. I started off with one of my beloved companies out there, the Pillsbury Company, and I was a retail sales rep for them. So I spent my entire day in grocery stores in the Dallas area and then out in Shreveport looking at all of our wonderful products. You can imagine fresh college grad at the time. The brand supported not only just the biscuits and baked goods, but I had Progresso, which was a soup. They had vegetables. So everything in the store was an opportunity for me to explore, figure out how do you sell items in. And the biggest thing for me at that point was just gaining confidence, talking to people that I didn't know, that didn't know me, and being able to sell in value and meaning and to really get store buy-in on products. I did that for a little while and then transitioned into something else that piqued my interest, which was technology sales. So I had an opportunity to work for a wonderful organization called Tops Engineering, and it was a supply chain, cargo load planning, and palletization software company. I didn't even know that world existed when I applied for the job. That's very unique. Tell us what a pallet is. When you have these large organizations that are manufacturing product, it has to get from where they're making it all the way to where they're either going to store it or ultimately where they're going to sell it. You see all of these semis going down the highway. If you were to open the back door, you would see tons of product. It's typically palletized on a wooden pallet, sometimes in boxes, sometimes it's just dead stacked on the floor. But. It's very expensive to basically ship air. So you want to optimize all of the product going into the back of that trailer. Our company helped people figure out how high the pallet has to be once it's stacked with product and the right dimensions for your truck. So as it's going down the highway, it's the most efficient for you. We did that for not only trailers that you would see going down the highway, but also boxcars for companies that use a lot of rail. Again, something I knew nothing about when I had applied, but the concept intrigued me. I saw it as an opportunity to learn more about how to do B2B sales, one business selling to another business. And I was fascinated about this tech space and wanted to understand more about technology and how do you sell software as a service. And so I did that. Julie, to get back to your original question, I always knew I was a marketer at heart. I love consumer behavior. My time at Pillsbury Company, if anything, gave me a sneak peek into different brands. How do you speak to different consumers? How do you really build engagement and excitement about a product? I spent five years at that technology company, but I knew, hey, I have to go back to grad school. I want to explore getting my MBA. I did that full time which then led me to an awesome opportunity and a chance to meet you going into more of a traditional brand marketing role at PepsiCo with their Frito-Lay division. I've had a career that has spanned quite a bit of the CPG industry, whether that's candy, beverage, or snacks, from product innovation, what's the next new thing that people want, to looking at existing products and thinking, how do we make them healthier and better for our consumer? to even working on, there are teams of sales and marketing individuals that will go to visit a customer like Walmart. You're selling in your innovation, you're talking about new promotional strategies and doing anything that you can to create a win-win partnership for not only the retailer, in this example, Walmart, but also for our business, which was Frito-Lay at the time. I've had a really exciting career where I've been able to touch a lot of different things. And really gain some skills, influencing, negotiation. A lot of that happens in sales. Marketing, again, understanding how do you bring products to life. Tons of companies are bringing things to life all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful or that they're going to gain traction with the consumer. Really trying to understand how you grow a profitable business. And I came to a point a few years ago in my career where I said, I want to take everything that I have learned over the last 20 plus years and invest it in a business that's mine. I created Striking and Strong back in March of 2021, and then we launched our brand in October of 22. And it's a hair care brand where we provide products for women like myself with kinky, curly, coily, wavy, think textured hair that live active lifestyles and need solutions to cleanse the scalp while still nourishing their hair. Because for me, as I looked at my community and I looked at my friend groups, the same thing kept bubbling up, which was this problem that a lot of women, particularly within minority populations, were led to believe that it's an either or. I'm either going to live a very healthy active lifestyle or I'm going to have great hair. I thought to myself, particularly coming out of COVID and the pandemic, when health was such a topic at the forefront of every conversation, why does it have to be an either or? Why can't I figure out how to develop a product that is an and, that allows me to still work out if I want to every single day and still have great healthy hair? That's a little bit of how my background and experience
0: has led me to launching Striking and Strong. You certainly gained a lot of skills along the way. And you mentioned sales, negotiation, supply chain, marketing, and others. What was your very first job? That's a great question. I thought about this the other day. I have come full
1: circle. When I was a freshman in high school, I worked for a company in my small college town called Wholesale Beauty Club and Salon. Think of it as modern day beauty brands or Sally's where we had a ton of retail hair care product in the front. And then in the back of the store was a salon. I worked the register. I would meet and greet our guests. I would talk to them about the latest brands that we brought in. If somebody came in and said, hey, I'm looking for moisturizing shampoo or my hair feels brittle at the moment, what would you recommend? Then I would introduce them to a variety of different products. I think it's quite interesting that now all these years later, I've decided to launch my own hair care brand.
0: That is certainly ironic. You've gained a lot of skills along the way. And one of the foundational elements that you mentioned is gaining that confidence. And certainly, we all know as it relates to hair care brands, there are some big competitors out there. Tell me a little bit more about the confidence it took to go up against some of these behemoth companies.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, right? At some point in time, I had to have a conversation with my husband about the fact that I wanted to launch a hair care brand. And especially when most of your experience is in candy snacks and beverages, then go to your spouse and say, I'm not launching a food brand. I'm going to go launch a hair care brand. One of the things that I had to do as I was selling in my vision to my husband, instilling confidence in this decision was really look at a lot of the data. For me, yes, this is a highly competitive category. But what I was able to find was that my target consumer does spend nine times the dollar amount on average than I would say most of America. In addition, she's a woman that is 53% more likely to be dissatisfied with the products that are currently on the market. I know there was some opportunity there. For me, it was one of those things where I have met enough founders along the way, whether they were in hair care, whether they were in food, whether they were in consulting businesses, where everybody said the same thing. You got to start from day one and you continue to take these small steps and build that momentum. For me, I think focusing on community engagement, understanding my consumer, and then developing products that really meet and exceed her expectations that's helped us to deliver far past anything I would have thought of at this point. While Striking and Strong is not the size of a P&G or a L'Oreal, they were once upon a time also in the same spot that I'm in. So I don't get bogged down on the comparison journey. I just own the space and the decisions that I'm making to help support the business. I think once you start to see fruits from that behavior... When you start to see the customer reviews or people calling, texting and saying, hey, I was pleasantly surprised. That's the type of stuff that helps to build the confidence that no matter what those individuals are doing and the business decisions they're making with their resources, there's still a place for striking and strong. And I'm looking forward to
0: continuing to build a business. Great. I can absolutely echo what you're saying in terms of the customer journey. And then when they call you and say, wow, what a fantastic product what a great experience I've had. It built that momentum. What was the role that mentors played in your journey, both from a career standpoint and also from an entrepreneurial standpoint? It's a really great question because I have always said to people,
1: and I cannot express this enough, I don't think success is built on an island. If I look back over my career, It has been because people have invested in me. I once had somebody tell me that people don't invest in people that are mediocre. It's really stuck with me because my mentors have been the ones when I needed to problem solve to our earlier conversation. If there was something I knew I wasn't a subject matter expert in, when there was just something that I just couldn't even grasp. Those were the individuals I could pick up the phone, text, email, and just say, hey, here's what's going on right now in my career, even in my business today. What are your thoughts? I'd love to learn from you. These mentors are individuals that are still 20 plus years later with me. They're still the same people that will send a note and say, hey, let's catch up. Let's have dinner or coffee. I've been thinking about a couple of things, want to share them with you. I value their opinions. My mentors were also the people that helped me to see how I show up um, in different situations. I wasn't familiar with that concept before joining Frito-Lay. This notion of how you show up in meetings. How are you demonstrating your value to others? Having somebody that can pull me aside and say, hey, really proud of you. Great job today leading that team. Or, hey, that was a difficult situation. Here are three things that you did great. Here are two things maybe next time you want to think about. I've always had people in my corner helping to spur me on, helping to coach me. As I started my own business, it was the same conversation. I called up the same individuals and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you think? Some of them are people we know are my dear friend, Diana Hartford. Her and her husband have a consulting company. I call her my ultimate hype woman. I get texts from her that say, hey, I don't know how this week's been going for you, but don't give up. This is the long game. I have mentors that play different roles. Dana Allen, also somebody that we know that's great in helping me make connections in the industry. I think I've been blessed to have been able to cultivate these relationships that when you find yourself in a situation where you say, I'm going to start this business, that there are tons of people behind you going, how can I help? Or what do you need from me? That's based on building authentic relationships with people as you're working with them, letting people get to know you, and then being open to the positive feedback, sometimes the harsh criticism, which can hurt at that moment. But now these
0: relationships have all blossomed We think about your mentors, and I reflect on my experience as well. In a high school was known as that informational interview queen, where I would meet with tons of people and learn about their careers and what they were doing and how they got there. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. Yeah. (laughs) I always ask the question, how can I also be helpful to you? Thinking about it as that two-way street and even reverse mentorship. Those that perhaps don't know about digital maybe teaching their mentors about what's happening in digital or social media, whereas they may have other experiences that they are sharing. That's great. How did you establish your early mentors? Some of these that you mentioned, of course, you worked with. Were there others before that you had gotten to know, maybe through family, friends and neighbors?
1: Yeah. What's interesting, you asked me what was my first job I ever had. And I had mentioned I worked in retail in high school, but I also was that person that did odd jobs for people. One of the things that I did as my side hustle at the time. Um, And this is really dating myself, but there was a woman that would pay me once a week to come pay her bills and write her check. She had really bad arthritis. She would lay out all her bills in a stack for me give me her checkbook. And I would write her checks for her so that all she had to do was sign it. She was really well known. Her former husband was a professor at K-State. They were just well connected. I would meet various people that were always intrigued. Here's this high school student. We know she hustles hard. At the time, I was working close to 20 hours per week and still doing all the activities. I think people just gravitate and see people who need guidance I've always had people say, tell me a little bit about yourself. What are you trying to do? I'm first-generation college student. So my parents couldn't really provide a lot of guidance for me. When I was in high school, my manager at work, her family and friends, anybody that knew what I was trying to do offered some advice, and I soaked it all up. I had teachers that were mentors of mine. You mentioned this give and take. I had a teacher that helped me finesse and fine tune a lot of my essays for my applications. And in turn, if she needed help grading assignments or the things that she needed assistance with, I was the first person to raise my hand. I just feel like putting yourself out there, I think one of the hardest things is being vulnerable and transparent of, hey, I need help and I don't know where to go. Is this something that you would be willing to help me with? All of these years later, I've never had anybody say, and I'm sure you've had the same experience, I've never reached out to anyone and had them go, I'm sorry, Tanya, today is not the day. It's just never happened. (laughs) Like people want to help other individuals.
0: And so I've been really blessed. Absolutely. Your values played a strong role in that. So certainly hard work, dedication willingness to raise your hand are some of the foundational elements. Any other values that stand out to you in terms of your path?
1: Yeah, I think seeing people and valuing people. There were times in my career where I wasn't leading teams, but I watched leaders that inspired me. I watched leaders that put a lot of value in their team members. I watched leaders who were able to get the best out of their team members. For me, a big value is seeing people for who they are and the value that they bring. As I advanced in my career and my teams got bigger and bigger, having that ability to help people see their value was huge and how I would actually see them and what they brought to the table was big. The other value, humility. And it serves me really well, particularly in this stage of my career, being able to tell somebody that you don't have all the answers and that you need help or being able to raise your hand and say, you know what, I made a mistake or maybe that wasn't the best decision based on the data I had at the time. Can you now help me unravel this or what do I do now? I think seeing people as they are and the value and then also being very humble, those are two big values just deeply resonate with me and have been a part of who I've been and will continue to be they're your values they're not going anywhere right instead of fighting them it's like how do you use those values to create positive
0: lasting relationships with the people that you meet absolutely those relationships and certainly change and you're changing the world trying to now, you have been accepted and you are in the Target Accelerator Program. I'm in an accelerator program as well. Certainly provide a lot of peer support and mentorship and guidance to bring you to the next level. Tell me a little bit about that program yeah. and your
1: experience in it. I am still wrapping my head around this awesome opportunity. Target does have this accelerator program called the Forward Founders and was for more earlier stage organizations. And it's a 10-week, I'm going to say intensive course, but we cover a variety of different topics on a weekly basis. You'll laugh. This week is data. And so we are looking at our category data and learning our insights. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I cannot wait to be unleashed into some of these tools so I can learn more about my business. It is wonderful in the sense of not only am I getting to hear from industry experts about how to position my business to eventually scale up into retail but I'm also hearing from CEOs of other large organizations that want to mentor to have somebody be transparent about their journey, how they fund scaling up their business, things that they would do differently. I eat that stuff up. I soak it up because for me, this is my one opportunity to do this. I want to learn from as many people as I can. Uh, The other thing that we do is we spend Quite a bit of time connecting with the other founders in the program. Striking and Strong is in this cohort along with 29 other brands across different categories. What I learned from those individuals as we're talking and building relationships is just as powerful, just as meaningful as the big speakers and presenters that Target's bringing in. These are entrepreneurs that are in the same stage as I am with my business and We're all here helping each other. It's not competitive anyway. There's no holding back of information. We have somebody in our group right now who is the grant queen. And so I know every Monday she is going to post about all the available grants. If it's free, it's for me. Let's go get this free money. Other people have different smaller retail experience and they're sharing what that journey has been like. So it's a wonderful program. I'm incredibly humbled. There were over 5,000 applicants for 60 total spots to be seen by Target. This early is incredible. Every week I leave there inspired by what I've learned, but it's also got my wheels turning. It's one thing when you work for a large CPG brand, and I think the largest budget I've ever managed was $80 million. Now I kick myself for how ungrateful I was at budget times when I'd be like, don't take that $5 million from me. <laughs> now I definitely don't have an $80 million budget and I have to figure out how to be scrappy. I have to figure out how to stretch my resources and having an organization see that, okay, do you need help in this area? Let me see who I can pair you with. Oh, you need some insights or data. Let's see what we can provide to you. The access, the resources, and the networking has been amazing. I'm incredibly honored
0: to just be in the program. Congratulations! That's no. really is impressive and sounds like an amazing group with a lot of resources and insights. In terms of fitting it all into your schedule, that's the lot to have an accelerator c- program at the same time as running your business. What does your day to day look like? And Some of us had hoped maybe in elementary, middle, or high school that homework would end. Do you still have homework? Yeah, that's so funny. I was telling my husband
1: last night I had to get off the phone with him because I had to turn in my homework. (laughs) Yes, I'm very passionate about changing this narrative that um, women of color have to choose between living an active lifestyle or having healthy hair. This all was a result of my day-to-day. I start my day prioritizing my self-care. I do truly believe that there is beauty and strength in self-care. If you take care of yourself, you can take care of the others. And so I am a huge loyalist to Peloton. So I am with my Peloton every morning, could be up to 60 minutes, but that's what I start doing first thing after the water, the hydration, small breakfast. I'm working out. I'm doing the things that I feel my body needs at that time. And for me, movement is so freeing for me. I enjoy doing that. And then by 10 o'clock, I shift into more of kind of my work day. And Julie, no day is ever the same, right? I do have some key priorities and things that I think about the night before. What are the three things that I have to get done and the three things I have to prioritize for myself? I'm checking in on the business metrics. I'm looking at the website. When you sell a product predominantly on your website, you got to make sure that's up and running. So there is a part of me every day that runs to my computer (laughs) just to make sure strikingandstrong.com is up and running and that we're not having any issues. I plan that day around those three priorities and just making sure that I can be present in the moment for those three priorities. I plan my day. I'm very thoughtful about the things that I'm doing. And then I also plan time to do some movement, whether that's walking the dog in the afternoon, something where I can just step away from the computer, step away from the problems I'm solving at the moment. And again, just be in my environment. I think for me, that's really helped me quite a bit. Sometimes having your own business can be a little bit stressful and I need to take a step back, maybe see a different perspective from being in the daily grind of answering emails, sending out notes, checking on supply chain. We also sell on Amazon. That is its own beast, making sure things are going well with Amazon. That's how I start the day. And then at the end of the day, I journal and I write down what are the things that I felt really great about. Then I list out the priorities for the next day. That helps me personally, mentally wind down my day. Because when I stop with the business and it's time to cook dinner, or it's time to meet up with friends or obligations with my husband, it helps me to be more present and mindful in those conversations if I can go through the wind down activity so that I'm not sitting at dinner thinking, oh my goodness, do I have enough inventory on hand? So that's really how I plan my day and what the day looks like. Yes to homework, whether I was in corporate America or now as a business owner, I'm on a constant learning journey. And so, yes, in my Target Accelerator program, I do have weekly homework, but even if it weren't for the program, I would still be reading something. I would still be researching something. I would still be learning something and then figuring out how do I apply that to my business. That would be my homework.
0: Excellent. It sounds like you're extremely disciplined when it comes to planning your day with intention. Mm. One of the things that I've done is I actually programmed my morning routine into Alexa. I thought it would take a lot longer than it did. It only took me about 10 minutes to say, mm. okay, first the alarm goes off. What are the first things that I do? Maybe it's box breathing. Maybe it's, mm. it's racial quotes. Maybe it's asking myself my intention for the day. I have a series that continues from one thing to the next with pauses in between each for time for reflection so that I don't just reach for my phone in the morning and say, oh, here are my emails for the day. Let's get going. That's great. I love that.
1: I didn't (laughs) even know that could be a thing that I
0: do. So now I'm going to have to add that to my learning agenda. I set it as one of my quarterly goals, not realizing it would only take me 10 minutes when I actually sat down and opened the Alexa app. That has been life-changing in being able to be present in terms of strategy and goal setting, as opposed to being reactionary and responding immediately to the influx of emails. The work
1: is always going to be there. Even when you clean the inbox up, 30 minutes later, there's going to be something coming in. I love what you're saying about being intentional. And I just find that prioritizing the things that I need, whether that's my body telling me, get up, it's time to do a workout, or whether it's my mind just going, hey, you feel a little anxious today. To your point, let's do some breathing and let's just take a moment and get ready for the day. I find that it helps me sustain my energy better. So that I don't have these peaks and valleys of just go, stop, go, stop. The quality of the output is enhanced when you're able to prioritize taking care of the things that you need
0: to take care of. Definitely. And being a continuous learner is one of my values as well. What are you reading right now? What are you learning about?
1: Yeah, I'm one of these people. You find a great book that you love. Jim Collins is good to great. It's an oldie, but a goodie that doesn't even seem to give it justice. I love building things. I love making beauty out of chaos. That is my go-to book when I'm thinking about people, when I'm thinking about what do I want my organization to be 5, 10, 15 years out. That's a book that constantly stays in my rotation because I feel like it's a book that I can read. I'll miss some things the first few times. And then you read it and you're like, was this always in the book? This is a great golden nugget. I have been thinking through profitability for the business. And I recently picked
0: up this book, Profit First. Profit First is very popular.
1: Yeah, it's just a really great way of setting up your business banking structure. This book makes a lot of sense, but then also figuring out how do I actually execute this? That book has really been on my mind of, okay, this is going to get me to a point where I still pay myself. Regardless of the size of my revenue for the month, (laughs) that's been on my heart a lot lately. (laughs) There are times when I will read a magazine to decompress, right? A lot of lifestyle magazines. I really like Oprah's magazine. I like Real Simple. I try to also think things that my consumer's reading because I'm in this self-care space. I like to learn what other experts are saying. Are there any workout
0: routines? Things like that. So that also makes it into the reading list on a monthly big. Great lessons. There's a lot we can learn from reading. I'm taking my kids to the library almost every week. And whether it's they want to become a YouTuber or they want to launch a new product, we are curating the books and resources in order to help them achieve those goals. What's the best advice, maybe from a mentor, maybe from a family member or neighbor, or even from a book that you have received? This is a good one.
1: I'll give you one that's probably been the most recent one. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, you want to compare yourself to other people in your space, right? Especially with social media, you see the followers, you see their activities, you see all the things. I had someone say to me recently, Tanya, you're not taking follower count to the bank. What this individual meant was, hey, focus on the things that you need to do to drive your business forward, because there can be a lot of things that you're seeing across social platforms that's activity for the sake of activity. That doesn't mean that their financial position is any better than yours. It doesn't mean that they have higher engagement than you. They're on a different path and a different journey. So you can't spend your time thinking about what somebody else is doing and how do I become the next them? You do you. That was eye-opening in that moment because I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't know what their financial statements look like. I hope for everybody that's on their own journey that things are very positive for them. But in that moment, I realized I'm doing what I need to do for striking and strong. I can't be so focused on what everybody else is doing their tactics may be working for them. Maybe they're not working for them. Maybe it's a great tactic where I can lift and shift, but that doesn't necessarily mean that striking and strong has to do the same thing. I think that one was really relevant. Somebody told me recently, win is a win. Stop trying to size up your wins. And what I mean by that is, I think it's very common for us to say things like, I had a big win this week. Or... Yeah, I had a win, but it was just like this little thing. And one of my mentors was like, Tanya, why can't a win just be a win? And in that moment, I was like, what do you mean? I have to give it a descriptor. And he said, why can't a win just be a win? And it took a while for that to sink in by saying it's a small win. That's not putting you in the right frame of reference. The narrative that you're telling yourself is incorrect. It's a win. And you're going to celebrate that win just like you would a win from the previous week or the win from three months ago. That's really helped in my self-talk along the journey,
0: too, to just celebrate those. I love that you're celebrating wins. There is a website, Just Not Sorry, which is geared towards women who often take their questions and say, oh, I just have a question. There is no need to downplay it. As you're saying, a win is a win and celebrate the victories that are big and those that are small.
1: Yeah, and get comfortable. I think that was the other thing too. Everybody kept saying, Tanya, when is your launch party? And in my mind, and I I didn't share this with them, but I'm like, I'll have a big party when I reach a million dollars in sales. I had all these, and I still have these lofty goals. But I wasn't really ready to celebrate the fact that I even started a business. And my husband would say things like, can we have some friends over? Can we do this? You started striking and strong. And I would say, I started it, but here's my three things that I have to do tomorrow. And he said, why can't we just stay in the moment that you did this thing that you set your mind up to do? Can we just be here? I think having people speak those kind of truths into those moments too, whether they're family friends or mentors, has been huge in how I see the business, the journey. People ask me, how do you stay so optimistic? You started a business coming out of a pandemic. And I'm like, so did so many other people. But I think what sets us apart is the fact that, yes, there are going to be challenges. Yes, there'll be things that we don't know. And it's still exciting and I'm still blessed to have the opportunity. I'm still going to revel in joy and live in the moment. I think that's huge too. be able to declare that I'm celebrating the fact I
0: started a business. I love the yes and statement, the self-talk recognizing that the social media channels of the world, so much of that is fake and gaining the confidence to succeed. You have incredible experience. Where can our listeners learn more about your business and your journey? I love the support. So thank you for an
1: opportunity to talk through that. Our website is strikingandstrong.com. And on there, you can find everything from an overview about our products, our clean formulations, why that was super important to me, to our brand story on Instagram. I would love to have you as a follower. Our handle is striking and strong hair. And that's where you can keep up to date with everything that we're doing. And then lastly, our newsletter building community is really important to us. And I partner with organizations to create and curate content on a monthly basis. If you are a woman on a health and wellness journey and you're curious, hey, how do I take care of my hair throughout the year? What we're doing when the heater is on, when we're wearing scarves and hats is very different. One of my favorite articles is about alleviating anxiety for people who are starting a fitness journey for their first time. You'll find great content on our
0: website. Fabulous. Do you have Such wisdom to share, and I'm glad you were on today. Thank you. Thank you for helping me. Subscribe to our podcast and social media channels. And as extra credit, if you feel so inclined, give us a thumbs up or share our episode on social media channels at The Little MBA.